software. I'm going to go there and just short, sort of share their screen so we can see what it looks like. There it is. So this is avail.co. And um, it says, feel good about the way you manage your rentals. Find tenants, view credit history, sign leases, collect rent on any device with tools built specifically for do-it-yourself landlords. What I like about this is, one, you don't have to download anything onto your computer. Because if you're having to download something onto your computer and you're away from your computer, let's say you're um, on... Um, I, you're on vacation in Paris. This is after the pandemic. I want you all to know Margie and I had tickets to Rome, Italy, not Rome, Georgia, but we had tickets from Atlanta to Rome in October that we had to cancel, which I don't appreciate. So I've decided to line up and get the vaccine. But anyway, one of the great things to be able to do is run your business from wherever you are, including from a tablet or a cell phone. And Avail is set up to allow you to communicate with your tenants, to collect rent, and to carry on your business, even with a cell phone or a handheld tablet or whatever device you have because the whole thing operates in the cloud and I like that. So let's look at some of these things here. What is the pricing? Well, I like free. I think a lot of you know that I like that that I like free. And um, um, for zero dollars per unit. I'm and this is, now. Ah, Ian is with <laughs> us. Ian has joined us. I can hear Ian, but hello, um, John. Ian, I hear you loud and clear. I just can't see you, my friend. Okay, I am going to make that happen by pushing this button. Aha! Here we go. <laughs> I'm going to stop sharing for just a moment and and go to my friend Ian Robbins, who is uh, joining us. Hi, Ian. Glad to see you. Um, Hi, John. Happy New Year. I hope you had a wonderful Hanukkah. I hope you've had a wonderful New Year. Um, this is such a festive time of year, regardless of, of what um, persuasion anyone happens to be. And I, for one, am looking forward to a much better 2021. How about you? I think the future looks bright. With the vaccine, good things are going to happen and many other good things. Well, as you know, I have the, one of the most important things to me right now is I've got a 95-year-old mother over um, at the Wesley Woods Complex at, at Emory. Um, she's in a um, long-term care facility, and she tested positive a couple, I guess it was a week and a half ago for COVID, but the good news is she hasn't had any symptoms whatsoever. That's great. Yeah, so I am hopeful that she will, you know, I mean, she hasn't even had any fever. You know, they tend to have loss of smell or loss of taste or loss of appetite and all none of that. So I think we may have dodged a bullet, but I'm I don't know about you. I'm lined up to take the vaccine. As soon as I get my call, I'll be there too. All right. All right. Well, you and I I go first because I'm older than you. And uh, I'm, I'm, gr I'm at greater risk, I think. So um, what we were talking about here was uh, some of the features of the Avail program. I'm going to go back to our slide. And I'd love for you to just dive in and, and talk about some of these with me. And I'm going to share the screen. Uh, bingo right here. There we go. And the first thing I like about it, Ian, is, and for those of you that don't know, Ian is uh, the, the founder and president for life of the landlord, <laughs> he's shaking his head now, of the landlord subgroup of Georgia Real Estate Investors Association. And you're going to be a featured speaker for the, uh, what subgroup has asked you? Somebody. The deal makers who um, meet actually during the day 
a big group, very serious, definitely some part-timers, but a lot of full-timers in there. Yeah. And I've well, seen them before. It, it's worked out real well. Well, I would just say this. Anybody uh, watching or listening to this broadcast that is not a member of Georgia Real Estate Investors Association should check it out because there's a lot of good education that goes on there. I have benefited from it myself. Um, and I just, you know, we always talk about if you're not educating yourself, you're not keeping up. So uh, there's an opportunity for you right there. But Ian, you know, I like free. Free is good. Uh, yes. Uh, you and I both know there are some very pricey landlording solutions out there. That's right. And, and these people will send you offers, but definitely they have some good structure of, of good tools to use. And I love what you said about anywhere in the world you are, you can access your business. Well, I like to travel, or at least I did. Um, look at all this stuff they have. Now, their basic plan is is zero per unit. This is free and they call it unlimited. Obviously it does not carry as much um, uh, benefit as their $5 a month plan, which I, I guess um, somebody might want to do if they really, really liked the platform. Um, the only thing I can see that's different is that you get next day rent payments and you get ACH fees waived. And what I was going to say is that um, they do assist with syndicated listings. Zillow is sort of the king of syndicated listings when you're trying to get your rental house rented. Um, but there's so many places out there from hot pads, which got acquired by Zillow to you know, there's, there's must be a hundred different ones. And the key here is for um, when you have a home for rent and let's say it happens to be near Emory university, which is where a number of my little rental properties are. I want somebody in London, England to be able to find it very easily. And the way to do that is to get it on Google to get it on Yahoo, to get it on all of these search engines. And that's what these syndicators do. And I have talked with you, Ian, about the story of, of the guy. I thought it was a joke. I thought it was a scam. I had a, a half of a duplex near Emory for rent. And a guy called up and he said, uh, I'm in London, England, and I would like to uh, get wiring instructions so I can send you money in British pounds. And I thought it was a scam. And it turns out he was a, a medical school graduate who was coming over here for a three-year residency. And he was a great tenant for three years. And Incredible. yeah, but he found it on Google. He just typed in rental homes near Emory University and it popped right up. And that is the real power of the internet. So uh, that's what syndicated listings is all about. But, well, John, did he, did he convert his pounds to dollars? I hope you got those American dollars. Not, not I did. I did. <laughs> I did. Good, my, good my, bank, my bank took care of that. And um, we, we were able to set it up so he could pay electronically, um, <clears throat> which is so much easier now than having to get a check. Um, I've given up on the old, the checks in the mail routine because it never is. <laughs> no, it's not there. I'm still waiting for a couple of people who told me that years ago. And when it shows up, I'll, I'll let you know. You're exactly right. Um, talk with me just a little bit, Ian, in your experience as a landlord, and I know you do it every day on a part-time basis, um, the importance of credit and criminal screening. Well, John, I think credit, it, to me, I look at credit as a gift. And what I mean by that is somebody is keeping score. And with the correct documentation, you're able to see if they're really good at paying their bills and then paying your rent. And um, I know you had mentioned um, criminal screening because we had a Supreme Court of the United States decision 
just a couple of years ago um, that uh, gave us some guidance and directions in terms of refusing to rent to people who may have a criminal background. Can you tell us more about that? Yes, John, but I have to tell you, I haven't studied the law that closely, but I know enough that I try to stay away from criminal unless it's something really bad. Um, well, I guess let's go with a felony. If there's a felony, I'm going to find out more about it or something, something that has to do with children. But because of that law and that Supreme Court ruling, I try to stay on the three that are safe. I consider safe questions to be on credit, rental history, and income. Those I drive down very hard. And then I get enough information that again, I'm, I'm all about a high security deposit and that sometimes disqualifies themselves by, sure. by them. No way. The, uh, just as background, this criminal screening um, ruling of the Supreme Court came to the conclusion that because of um, past uh, prosecutorial error, uh, or, or improper prosecution, certain classes of individuals were disparately impacted by criminal screenings. And the guidance from the Supreme Court was this. Um, yes, you can look at an applicant's criminal background, but you better not refuse to rent someone based on their conviction for a crime that really is totally unrelated to what one would normally expect a renter to be required to do. So for example, if someone um, had been involved, let's say, uh, heaven forbid, as a teenager in a um, um, DUI accident where somebody was um, fatally injured, and uh, that person had been charged with and convicted of manslaughter. That, what a terrible thing. Uh, unfortunately, it does happen. And, um, but the reality is, if we stop and think about it, a, a DUI conviction really doesn't have much to do, especially if it's years and years ago, to, it doesn't have much to do with the likelihood that this person is gonna pay their rent otherwise. And as you've said, their rental history, their income, and their credit report is going to tell us a lot more about that. But, but you know what, John? Can I interject that? here on, let's go with a DUI. And I know this is a tender subject, but I had a, a, a tenant and I did rent to him that had a DUI to a point where he wasn't driving anymore. So there might've been more than one DUI. Yep. And he also had a girlfriend that was his transportation. Well, the girlfriend moved out. Okay, now it, it's not about the DUI. It's about transportation to make an income. Yeah. So I can now focus on the money again, which is safe, uh, not judgmental, just, just need to get paid. And Absolutely. And the end of that story, that person left on good terms. In fact, I'm honored to tell you that uh, about three weeks ago, he called me and said, Ian, do you have any houses? So um, <laughs> I took well, his whole security deposit and he's still calling me. That's pretty good. Well, the, the good news is I hope you don't. <laughs> no, but I, he's out of the house, got a great tenant in there and uh, we're really happy about that. So it's, good. it's just about treating people with respect, but again, focusing on staying safe and the safe questions will really help you, especially if you put them in writing. Absolutely. Absolutely. Safe questions. And then we ought to do a whole show just on safe questions. Um, well, John, you taught me something one time I could tell you. Sure, please. I sent you an email and you came back with, I don't know. And when I got that answer, I wasn't too happy but I realized that was an excellent answer and I started using it and I don't need to be all things to all people. If I don't know, I'm allowed to say, I don't know. I'm allowed to get accurate information 
and then come back with the answer. And and the uh, sort of a codicil to that is that there are times when maybe you do know, but it's best to say I don't know. So sure. for for example, um, many of my rental properties, Ian, as you know, were built in the 1930s and 40s. Uh, not surprisingly, being um, all mostly in-town properties. And as a result, they're subject to lead-based paint requirements. Lead-based paint applies to all homes built before 1978. And the law requires that we disclose if the house was built before 78 and disclose if there have been any inspections done or if the owner or the landlord has any knowledge of lead at the property. That's all. And we have to give them a brochure. That is it. Invariably, when I do that, Ian, the tenants or the applicants will say to me, should I be worried about this? Or does this house have lead-based paint? And the answer is, I know. I, I One, I know whether or not they should be worried because I happen to have done a fair amount of study on it and, and taught lead-based paint training for over a year. And I probably could give them a very accurate description of whether or not the property has lead-based paint based on my knowledge, but the courts do not assume that I am a um, meteorological expert uh, or that I'm a lead-based paint pathologist. And so it's okay for me to say, I don't know. The problem is people have a tendency, as you said, to try to be all things to all people and answer all questions, and it can get you in trouble. And that's something I learned early in my career as a landlord. It's okay to say, I don't know. So you're exactly right. Good teacher. Um, Thank you, John. Yeah, super. Um, let's talk a little about leases, because one of the features I see here is they have state-specific leases um, that they are offering even on the free plan. Um, what have your experiences been with using these free leases that people hand out? Not good. And John, it really comes out when they challenge one of these uh, uh, basic leases that you find on the internet or in the store, you need something as comprehensive as what you offer. And what, what I'm really liking about the killer lease is it's there. So if there's a problem, the attorney's going to go look at the lease and is going to see that it's covered and they're going to lose or advise their client that this one was comprehensive and you don't have a case. You know, we can't cover everybody in every situation, but I can't tell you, Ian, over the years, how many times I have heard from landlords who said, hey, this helped me out of a, a tough situation, or I was able to successfully withhold uh, the, the security deposit to cover the damages that the tenant caused because the lease that we are offering in the Landlord Survival Guide is designed um, to and worded to comply with Georgia landlord-tenant law. Fees will apply. Yeah, yeah, yeah <laughs> fees will apply. <laughs> and this is one thing we've added this year is a whole new range of fees because the courts have indicated that that's what they want to see. And we're going to do exactly what the court and the legislature tells us to do. So um, uh, one thing I do like about the avail $0 per month per unit plan is that if you enable it, um, your tenants payments, your rent payments are reported to TransUnion automatically. Wow. And, and not only do you have to enable it, but the tenant has to give their permission. TransUnion will not do this automatically, but it does enable you to say to a tenant, hey, we want you to know that we are a member of TransUnion 
and this can be used to improve your credit score. I'm assuming you do pay your rent on time, don't you? In 40 years, Ian, I've never had anybody say, no, I'm usually late. I've used that line because of, I used to listen. So many times I've heard you say that, John. And every <laughs> time I say that, I've yet to hear it. So you could add to that 40 years, knowing that Ian's got that and quite a few of your students, same thing. I did not know that um, they did that on avail and I would use it as a benefit to say, look, because a lot of these people will tell you that they're trying to buy a house. And I'll say, let's work together to report your credit. I mean, report your payments on TransUnion and therefore you have a great rental history. So Peter Burke can get involved and have something in writing to help you get a house. Well, and you know, as well as I do, that Peter is going to call their landlord if they come in to buy a house as an owner-occupant. He's got to call the past two landlords and ask what was their rental history. If it's already at TransUnion, one, it's improving, hopefully improving, their credit score. And two, Peter can report that as a line item um, in the credit report. So I, I think it's a real plus there. Um, they have an online, online rent payment system. And you and I have talked about this before, Ian. Um, and they are using um, some sort of transfer that takes four to five business days uh, in order to use the free system. Is that satisfactory? Would you use something like that? Uh, yes, I would. I mean, after the first four to five days, I think, I think we'll be set up and then you can get rolling much faster. Right? Are you saying it's just a setup? Is No, 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 no. It's, it takes that long for you to get your money. Oh, no, no. I wouldn't, I wouldn't accept that at all. No. I and uh, as, as we've talked before, I use Zoom. Um, it appears to me that Zoom is becoming more and more widespread. What? I'm sorry, Zell, not Zoom. You know, anything that starts with a Z, it's all the same thing to me, Ian. Um, zebras yeah, I, and, and, you know, whatever. Um, it's <laughs> Zell. And Z people are using Zell like crazy now because it is free. And it works at any bank that will accept Zell. Now, they don't have to be members of the Zell system. So as long as you or they, your tenant, has a, uh, a, an account or a debit account or a savings account or anything like that at any Federal Reserve Bank, um, once they sign up, they can use Zelle. And the beauty well, John, I think, of, go I ahead. Think the way, I think the way it works is the first transaction does take several days to set up. So right. for instance, they might do a 51 cent transaction and a 39 cent transaction or something like that. Then once you're set up, then it comes goes instantly. So for the first month, you might be delayed, but future months, my tenants use a lot of that. It's excellent. And I'm always amazed it comes to my computer and to my cell phone. These people are paying their rent. Then I go online, I see it on the, um, my, my, uh, my bank, and I'm a very happy landlord. Well, I'm going to change this because people are going to be confused by Zoom and Zelle. I'm confused. There we go. Um, the, the great thing about Zelle, if you ask me, is not only once you're set up, is it almost instantaneous. You're, once they click the button to send it, it is spendable funds in your account, typically within 10 to 12 minutes. But not only that, unlike a check or an ACH transfer, they cannot stop payment. They can't change their mind. Once it's transferred, it is gone. Now that's a threat uh, that, you know, that could be a danger as well as a as a benefit. And that's why they want to use the small penny amount transactions just to make sure it's going from the right place to the right place. But once it's set up, it tends to be almost foolproof. 
And not only that, Sean, I've used it in addition to tenants. I now have some of my vendors that I've set up through Zelle and I could pay them um, online, which is actually a safety issue because instead of me driving to meet them somewhere, I don't have to drive anywhere. I Absolutely. Go on well, my computer or my phone and get it done. Right. And it, and it won't bounce. I mean, no matter what happens, if it's approved and transferred on Zelle, that money is good. It doesn't matter what your bank is, what their bank is. Once it's set up, uh, it, it is all set and taken care of. And, uh, and of course, there are a number of different online rent payment programs out there, but there's nothing as fast, as foolproof, and as cheap as Zelle. And uh, the only problem we've run into is that at some member banks, there are daily limitations on how much that can be transferred. So you might have to break it up over two days or something like that, especially on a higher rent property. But I think Zelle is improving their security to a degree that they are going to eventually um, either raise those limits or do away with the limits entirely. So let's talk. Well, about, but John, yeah, go from ahead. From your last hour, the last hour you talked about the mafia guy and the mafia guy might have some high amounts there. That deal was great. He had, he had a lead because of the mafia and you got a good deal. Hey, that might be a good way to find the motivated sellers. What do you yeah. say? You're exactly right. <laughs> I, I try to avoid the mafia as often as I can, but um, to deny that they exist is to deny reality, I'm afraid. Um, and one of the features... I like motivated sellers. There you go. One of the uh, features that you and I really agree on that we like is the maintenance tracking and... Um, you in the past have talked about the importance of documentation. Would you spend just a minute talking about what happens when one of your tenants, let's say um, they have the, the toilet gets stuck or, or it's, it's, it won't flush, but it hasn't caused any trouble. They just can't flush it. And it goes down very slowly. They call your tenant land uh, number and what happens? Well, John, I just want to back up very quickly to say this, that when you go to court, landlord-tenant court, the very first thing, what you're going to see is the tenants say they can't pay their rent because they won't pay their rent because the landlord does not do repairs. And so the judge has heard that many, many times. So the best thing you can do as a defense to that is have documentation of how people send in their repair requests and then you make these repairs done. Therefore, it takes credence out of their argument saying that that's why they can't pay their rent. If it even gets anywhere close to that. In terms of a toilet, um, if they have a problem, they can send in a form and then I have something to work with and then I can dispatch somebody to repair the problem. It's, it, you're, you're hit the nail on the head there. The, the tenant refuse, I'm sorry, the landlord refusing to make repairs is the most common defense used by um, tenants who are facing a dispossessory action. And it's because they think it's one thing they can get away with. It's something that the, uh, that the judge would be sympathetic to and something that most landlords are not prepared to be able to prove that they have a policy of um, responding to maintenance requests in a reasonable and documentable manner. Most people like to do it by telephone. And the problem with the telephone is unless you are set up with some sort of recording system, which is going to be cumbersome and difficult to, um, to pull, um, you're, you're not going to have it. With this online maintenance tracking, there is a paper trail and you can say immediately, your honor, we have a policy of, we respond within 
18 hours or we respond with our policy is 24 hour response. And that is, if that's your policy and it says so on your website and it says so in the lease and that's what you can document, I cannot imagine a landlord saying, well, even though you've proved it here, I'm going to side with the tenant. It, it just doesn't happen that way. And Correct. this is almost a painless tracking method. And, and have you had experience with other um, platforms on their maintenance tracking? I have not, Sean. I use my own, but um, anything that is, is in writing is going to work. This looks fine. And our listeners, if they want to adopt that, I think that's wonderful. Let us know. We might change over to, to Avail. That's right. I'm going to try to pull up um, and I can't see because I've lost my glasses. This is sad. When you get to be so old that I think I lost my glasses in, I was getting coffee, I think. Um, let's see. I'm going to look in here for landlords and see what it says about maintenance tracking. Thank you. Ah, Ian, I'm wearing my fashionable red in touch with my feminine side glasses. We love the glasses. Thank you. I'm, I'm proud of them myself. All right. Can everybody see that? Yes. Um, so let's go down here to uh, manage maintenance without the headache. And the tenant submits the maintenance ticket. Your tenant can submit maintenance requests day or night. You'll be notified via email as soon as the ticket is created. And they can include up to, they upload photos. I don't know how many, um, but it tells you what the, the problem is, whether it's minor or major. They can comment on it and they can send you pictures, which that's liable to help a lot. Um, with photos of the issue and an in-app instant messaging system, you can understand the issue in minutes without visiting the property. By the way, this is liable to save you some money if you can forward these pictures and the information about the tenant to your contractor or your vendor um, so they don't have to go over there and take a look at it and decide what it's going to cost. Um and it says, I've called my repairman. He can come this evening around six. Does that time work for you? It should only be a 15 minute visit. Wait a second, John. And I think there's something else that should be said about that. Um, I've been having issues sometimes getting access. Now it's not on purpose where they're being a belligerent tenant. Sometimes they just make it difficult. And I really work hard to let people know that when I set up a repair person, you need to let them come in. Now, John, for our audience today, we want you to put on your glasses because here's why. We love your glasses and we want you to hear something. Oh, sorry about that, John. This is uh, Elton John. This is your Elton John glasses. Can you hear? <laughs> I am not Elton John. I assure you, Ian, I'm well, not we Elton John. We love those glasses. <laughs> I was thinking these were more my Paul McCartney glasses. Okay, we'll, we'll try that next time. Okay, great. <laughs> anyway, yes, back to pictures, a great access to landlords. Uh, we need to get inside. And I've had problems in the past, and I've let them know that fees will apply if I can't get my vendor inside and i've gotten to the point sometimes if they're habitual to say we're not coming and i'll send them something in writing again my documentation until i know that somebody's going to be there to do the repair i don't have to do that often but it it does come up with the landlords for sure well i just think there is is a a widespread feeling that um you, the, the landlord or the property manager, their time is worthless. And that uh, 
If they can't get in, they'll just come another time. And tenants take this lackadaisical attitude toward the, the issue of having tenants come into the property. And I mean, having uh, uh, vendors come into the property and it's expensive. People expect to get paid for making a service call and I don't blame them. And if the tenant doesn't have the common courtesy to be there when they say they're going to be there, or at least let us know they're not going to be there so we can reschedule if we need to, uh, a fees should apply as far as I'm concerned. So uh, the other thing I like about this is it records when the issue is resolved. So Great. now this is something that literally you could print out, set in front of a judge and say, here is a printout of every um, repair and maintenance issue that was reported to us for the past six months. You can see what our average response time was and what our average completion time was. And you'll see that every one of these has been completed. So if the tenant is making a claim we, that we don't do this, we would like to see evidence that they um, notified us in writing, which is required by the lease, and that they um, followed proper procedures. So, uh, you know, what can you say? It, I, I just, I think this procedure itself is worth attempting to use, or this feature itself is worth attempting to use a veil just to, to find out uh, if it would fit in somebody's situation. And again, I love the online aspect of it. So looks good. Good, yep. good. Well, we're going to try that. And for people listening at home, I'm going to, or watching, I'm going to encourage them also to go ahead and sign up. Here's what the, the sign up looks like. You don't have to give them a lot of stuff. They do not require a credit card. Because if you're going to um, 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 use the free account, they have no need for your credit card. So you just put your name, email, phone, and a password here and um, click the CAPTCHA and you're signed up as a landlord just like that. So what can I say? It's, uh, I I'm hoping Ian will get some response from folks um, because th there's no reason not to try. And if it benefits people, I'm, I'm real pleased for them. Um, Terrific. And let's move on real quickly to some things that I just want to touch on. As you, I don't know if you had a chance to hear it, but in the first hour, I did sort of a survey of about 30 or 40 topics that I'm hoping people will respond in the next week and say, yes, that's something that I would like to know more in-depth information about. And as we move to the landlord hour, here are some topics that I wanted to sort of bounce off you. Uh, some of these are things that we have in fact talked about, but as we go into 2021, I'm asking people who are listening right now if they hear, we've got what, two, six, uh, seven topics here, um, which we could go into great detail on in a future uh, session. But let's just run through these real quick. Um, and the first one, you and I, I know, agree on 100%. Ian, this is a business. This is not a hobby. Well, John, you know, you've said this in the Landlord Survival Guide, what I really appreciated was first of all to have a company name instead of Ian Robbins's properties, I have my own company name. Um, I did business cards, but it's not that important. I'm incorporated. I don't want them to know my home address. I want to have a checkbook that shows uh, my company name on it. I'm going to treat it like a business and I'm going to create a good posture with my tenants and my vendors. And I think by starting out that way, it's not that expensive. Now you're, you're creating the right environment to succeed. I agree. I, you know, it's amazing to me that people are unwilling to spend $100 and form an LLC um, or a corporation. Um, and there are reasons to do either one or the other. 
and people do need to get educated, but this is not rocket science. And in as little as 24 hours, you can be Sunshine Properties LLC, and you're just the property manager. And it changes the dynamic between the tenant and the landlord. If the tenant believes that you are the owner, they believe you are wealthy and they are not. They feel they have no obligation to pay rent, or if there is an obligation, it is a minor one because you're, you own real estate. You're wealthy. They're having to rent, which means they're poor, and it's your responsibility to take care of them. I think that attitude, Ian, has been fueled during the pandemic by this crazy CDC agency order where there is a eviction ban on certain uh, tenants uh, who happen to meet requirements laid down arbitrarily by the CDC. And as you know, I have some constitutional questions about that. And I also suggested that if tenants deserve a ban on evictions, then maybe we should have a moratorium on property taxes, insurance, all mortgage payments, repairs, and maintenance. That has not been greeted with enthusiasm by the counties. No, no, I don't think it's, I don't think it's going to be. So um, we'll see. There is scuttlebutt that this new bill that uh, the Senate overrode the president on does have some relief for landlords. I have not seen it yet. I do know that it extends the CDC order at least until January 31st. So well, John, you did a fabulous job on, on going into detail last, uh, last week. And I appreciate it because that's what I'll be talking about at Dealmakers. Great. So I've listened to it several times. And I got a lot of uh, comfort out of what you were saying about two specific things. One was that only one out of eight people actually uh, go through with the process. And I think that's very important that, that most of the time they think it's going to happen automatically. Right. And if they want to assume that, that's great. I'll see them in court and I'm going to win. And then also you brought up a great point about that CDC order about the landlord can challenge the tenant's declaration. Absolutely. And, and that was a clarification that we really had been waiting on since this out of the blue uh, crazy CDC order came up uh, in, in late August or early September. And there were plenty of courts, including many right here in Georgia, who weren't getting any guidance and decided to play it safe and said, we are not going to accept any dispossessory warrants during the pandemic. Well, that's crazy. And finally, we have guidance from the Department of Justice that I think, um, you know, you're always going to have rogue judges who, you know, just make up their own laws, they go along, and that's par for the course. But the reality here is that, yes, DOJ has made it clear that from a federal standpoint, um, landlords, managers, owners do have the right to challenge the veracity or the truthfulness of the tenant's uh, CDC declaration form. So, and that gets you at least into court. And once you're in court, you're much more likely to get them to leave um, of their own free will. And if not, you're probably going to win anyway. Um, well, I appreciate, appreciate what you said about the Department of Justice. I don't know much about the Department of Justice, but just by the words, it sounds pretty strong. And that you kept saying that even at the clerk who's doing their job and at the, at the window saying, no, we're not going to accept these. And you pull out the six, you pull out the seven page memorandum from the Department of Justice and say, it says it's here, says it right here. I'm following these rules. You might have a chance to get to the next step. That's the whole idea because, uh, my experience in dealing with low-level county employees is uh, they all tend to be very nice people. They all want to do their job. 
and they all want to go home at five o'clock and not have to worry about it, which is exactly what they do. Um, they do not have the burden on them that you and I do of having to make mortgage payments and having to pay for repairs and having to pay property taxes and insurance and utilities and just about everything else. And um, if you can give them a reason, um, a logical reason to do what it is you want them to do, then they're liable to do it, or at least ask somebody above them. And if you start tossing around a document that's from Health and Human Services, CDC, and the Department of Justice, all of a sudden, you're you're bringing in some of the heavyweights here. <laughs> Absolutely. And, and I do believe they're going to take the path of least resistance. But if you make it easy for them, then they're going to go to the next step or get a supervisor involved who will then read it and maybe even an attorney involved. And then you'll, you'll be able to file your dispossessory. I did have a question on that, John. Sure. Listening to that video, some counties... For instance, Cobb, if I have to file in Cobb, I thankfully have not had to do that for a while. I can do that online. Um, so my question is, why, I would like to hear from anyone who's filed online in Cobb if they've turned it back. I have not heard anyone saying it's been rejected. I know in Douglas, they're not online and I have to send everything to them by mail with a self-adjust envelope to get a receipt. Um, so every county is different. Well, this is crazy. And this is part of the problem. Uh, we ran into this exact same issue, Ian, when we were researching um, the property tax uh, reduction workshop. Uh, we've got 159 counties in Georgia. And traditionally, as you know, the tax commissioner is elected independently in every county in Georgia. They're not appointed by the county commission. And so the, they are answerable only to the people, not to uh, the, the county commissioners or the politicians there. And they get to supervise how assessments are handled in that particular county. And so we ended up with 159 different ways um, which was just crazy. Fortunately, the legislature eventually stepped in and while preserving some autonomy for the tax commissioners, they did uh, standardize to some extent the process and made it more understandable, uh, which has resulted in the savings, I think, of probably literally millions of dollars in property taxes have been saved as a result of that. And I, for one, would love to see the Supreme Court of Georgia, uh, or it could be done at the legislative level. I, would I think it's less likely at the legislative level, but I would love to see the Supreme Court uh, take a more active role in guiding and directing the Supreme Court of Georgia I'm talking about, not the United States take a more active role in standardizing uh, procedures in magistrate courts. Because interestingly, this is for most Americans, the closest they will ever get to our grievance remedial justice system. And that's a good thing. I, I, I don't want people to have to be in superior court every day. I don't want them to, to have to go to a lawyer and pay four or $500 an hour um, I, I want the government to get off our damn backs and I want people to do what they're supposed to do. But, but you know, uh, John, there was something that I, I should say, because I, I, I read an article several years ago, but it so much applies that there was a judge in Gwinnett County and he put a sign on his desk and it said, this is not TV. Now for a judge to do that, he was basically saying, you can watch court TV all you want, but this is real world. And this is what's going to happen. And I so much appreciate him doing that because we live in that society where they see the media 
got to be careful. My wife works for the media, but they <laughs> see the media and they think that is everything. And the truth is, is that there's the real world and then there's the TV world. And I appreciate everything you're saying. And the more you get the details, um, you can figure out what you're supposed to do for your specific situation, and then you can follow through and then you'll win. Well done. Well said. Um, we've got a couple of three questions here real quick. So I think we ought to hit those and then hit the road here. Um, and Ian, I invite you to participate. Andrew asks, are the deal makers, is the deal makers meeting in person or is it over Zoom and can non-members attend? I can't answer the non-members question. That would be one to shoot an email to Georgia, but it is scheduled to be on Zoom. All right. It's my understanding that any member is welcome at any subgroup meeting. Is that not correct? That is my understanding. Also, I think there are guest fees for non-members. We'd love for you to join Andrew. I don't think it's that expensive. And um, I think learning from John Adams, uh, you'll be able to pay for your membership many, many times over. Well, you're very nice to say that. Andrew, I'm going to give you a tip. If you will call uh, the Georgia RIA office and say that John Adams told you you could attend your first meeting as his guest, I think they'll let you do that at no charge. Now, I'm not guaranteeing that, but at one time, that was the arrangement that the Georgia RIA Board of Directors told me was the case to encourage me to uh, encourage people just like you, Andrew, to get involved. So we would need to confirm that. Um, Ian, what is Shirley's last name? The current director? I don't know Shirley. It's actually Gene Cram. Oh, that's right. I'm sorry. You're right. Gene Cram, K-R-A-M-B, who is a very nice person. And, and Gene's doing a great job. And if you will call and leave a message, Gene will get back to you, Andrew. But I think anybody listening, if they called and said, John Adams has invited me to come to this dealmakers meeting, I promise if you're listening to Ian Robbins talking about landlording, you're going to learn a lot. And because it's over Zoom, they don't have to have any extra chairs. And I, I think that's, and nobody was going to get COVID or anything like that. So, all it's right. Rhea executive director at gmail.com, but I'm sure it's on the website, but that's okay. Georgia executive director all right. gmail. at gmail. Okay. Very good. Boyd says I use rent ready and their maintenance tracking is good. Ian, would you make a note? It's R-E-N-T-R-E-D-I. Will do. Boyd, would you do me a favor and send me a note telling me the, uh, I'm assuming it's rentready.com. I couldn't find a veil for six months because it turned out it was C-O instead of C-O-M. But um, Boyd, if you would shoot me an email and just... Um, or leave me a message on the phone telling me where I can find rent ready. Ian and I will take a look at it and, and we would like your thoughts on it. Uh, but if they have good maintenance tracking, that's great as well. Um, David. And by the way, I expect more and more of these to, um, uh, to come along and be free. And the reason I say that is, once you sign a landlord up, let's say you've got 10 units, which I think is about typical for do-it-yourself landlords. Uh, once you've got 10 units, if you sign on with Rent Ready or Avail or whatever it is, you're much more likely later to decide, well, they've got this pretty neat feature. I'm going to go ahead and pay to use this. Now, you're not under any obligation to do that, but it, it would be convenient. And if you're already familiar with the platform, so it's not surprising to me that they would give you some free stuff to get your foot in the door um, and get you going there. All right. Now, David says, I have been told that in court, the notification rules still apply. 
24 to 48 hours before entry. Can't assume the maintenance request is an invitation to enter. There are no notification rules under Georgia law, David. Um, and I don't know. I mean, it certainly would be polite, um, but I, I know what I do and I know, I, I think I know what Ian does and we try to um, contact the tenant and, and uh, okay, okay, David's in Alabama and apparently they do have a notification rule. But in Georgia, we do not. And David, in Alabama, I strongly recommend that you follow those rules 24 to 48 hours. Uh, and I, I know that in some states, they do require that, especially where there have been abuses by landlords. Um, and uh, as Ian has said, um, I consider my tenants to be a valuable asset. I want them to stay forever if I possibly can get them to. And um, having basic respect for their privacy, I think is fundamental. And it's also just good business because you don't want to send a, a vendor or a, an, a, a, a repair person over to the property when they're not going to be able to get in the property. So, um, but that, you know, that goes, the, the, I think there are two things there. One, uh, Ian was talking about the tenant as a valuable asset. And the other is um, we inspect our properties at least once a year on the inside. And that inspection is not optional. And one of the reasons we do that is to, remind the tenant that we have to have access to their property uh, in, for safety reasons, for, uh, for a variety of reasons, but certainly safety. And if they abandon the property, we will seize that property to protect it and to protect the owner from the liability of an empty property. Nothing good ever happens in an empty house. Ian, do you want to weigh in on that? Sure. I think we could turn it into a positive, good customer service, following through on repairs, letting them know when they're going to come. I agree with everything John said about access, but it's 95% uh, of success is showing up and, and getting the vendor to be there. My big thing too is my vendors, everybody does it a little differently. A lot of times they'll go to Home Depot and tell, do a telephone sale. I even tell them to buy extra and then I can return the remaining items because I don't want them to get there and not have the right tool. I just have to say this is a little humorous because everybody can relate. The, the vendor is going to come back and tell you that the previous guy did it wrong. And you should know that. And when they tell you that you can laugh just like John and say, we, we know they did it wrong and I know you're going to fix it. So do a great job. So. <laughs> They always say that. By the way, for anybody that was surprised at what you just said, and this will be our, our last thought, um, Home Depot and Lowe's, uh, hardware stores are usually easier because they tend to be more personal. But Home Depot and Lowe's, I have had tell me that they are not allowed to let a landlord or a manager pay for something over the phone. And some of the vendors that I use do not have credit cards and they don't speak a whole lot of English. And that's a bunch of baloney. Home Depot will let you do it, but occasionally you have to pull rank on them and you have to get the, the uh, uh, manager or supervisor or somebody on the phone because just because the little 12 year old girl that is working the, uh, pro, uh, the pro desk or customer service doesn't know about it or the cash register doesn't mean that that's company policy and they will let you do it, um, especially if you have a Home Depot or Lowe's credit card. But absolutely, uh, that's, that's a smart thing to do. Ian, that has been very helpful to us. As you know, we have properties here in Glen County as well as in Atlanta. And when I'm in Atlanta, my uh, vendors down here are the ones that just don't speak much English. 
and that that allows us to pay for things uh, at the Home Depot. And I think you know we've never had any trouble, but uh, there I've heard stories of of some of the box stores just saying, "Oh no, we don't do that." So that'll be the case. All right, folks. Well, that's uh, everything for today. I want to thank Ian Robbins for being here. Tell us again when your deal makers meeting is going to be, please. That's going to be this coming Wednesday, January 6th at 10 a.m. All right. Wednesday, January 6th at 10 a.m. Well, that being the case, we need a little traveling music here. And I am going to share my screen. Ian, I thank you from the bottom of my heart. And I will try to be there for that Zoom meeting. And in the meantime, I want... Wear your glasses. Yeah, they're my glasses. What can wait, I say? Wear your glasses on, on my... It, I, I will. I will. It, it looks good. It looks good. Here we go. All right, folks. Now we're going to have to start over again. I don't understand why that happens. But here we go. All right, that's the 3 Mark IV, the John Adams Radio Show. Landlord Hour. This is John Adams along with Ian Robbins reminding you your financial future is not a matter of chance. It's a matter of choice. Make your choice a good one. So long, everybody.